welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Hi, friends. I hope and pray you are well. Let's begin with prayer. Father, we come together again. We're going to start our third sermon in this series of restoration now as we move to redemption, Lord. Uh, be with us as uh, we go through Luke 7. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk about uh, a story of a woman. Uh, we don't know her name exactly, at least in Luke, but her story can be found in, in Luke chapter 7. Now, Matthew, Mark, and John record a similar story of a woman washing Jesus' feet, uh, but the second half of the story is different in that it differs and it's unique. And so as we continue this story, uh, let's go ahead and, and let's start to read. So Luke 7, verse 36. Now, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And just a quick side note, alabaster, an alabaster jar of perfume was not cheap. In fact, the other stories kind of focus on that because why did she waste all of this money? Now in verse 38, it says, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her own tears. And then she wiped them away with her hair. She kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee, Simon, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And now we find Jesus, who's who's been invited to have a meal at Simon's house. And so, again, he's a Pharisee. We don't know exactly why he was invited, but I'm probably going to guess because of his position in the community. Maybe he was interested. Maybe invite, you know, the who's who in town and have a conversation. Now, one of the things that was customary at the time, however, but didn't happen is when Jesus entered Simon's house, his feet should have been washed and as well have some, uh, an alabaster, some perfume as well put on his head. This is a key point we're going to talk about in a little bit later, okay? So as Jesus is reclining at the table, we find a woman, He she enters his house and she takes the alabaster jar, she pours that on, on Jesus' feet, and as she stands behind him, she starts to cry, and maybe because of her own grief or maybe her own joy, doesn't say. But she's overcome with so much emotion. Her own tears, she's able to wash Jesus' feet. But, you know, Simon, he's thinking, hey, why is, why is he doing that? But, you know, back in the day, we didn't, they didn't have fancy closed-toed shoes like Reeboks or, uh, well, forgive me, ladies, I have no idea. My wife buys shoes all the times, and I know the names, I just can't think of them. But you know what they are. <laughs> and uh, you had to walk everywhere. Maybe they had some sandals, but even if they did have sandals, dust and dirt would still accumulate on your feet. And so maybe perhaps even as 
as as Jesus is reclining at the table, her tears maybe cause a little bit of mud. So she takes her hair and she's trying to fix his feet. And all she wanted to do was this 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 gesture as a token of appreciation. But Simon sees it differently. And so uh, as she as she's trying to clean his feet, she panics. She's overcome with emotion and she's cleaning. Simon is being judgmental and, and he's observing. So if he's a prophet and he knew who she was, she's a sinner. And uh, maybe he's thinking, this is totally inappropriate. But in, in the eyes of the woman, it, it, there was no intimate meaning. It was simply that of, of, of appreciation. So Jesus senses what Simon was thinking and he responds with the parable of two men who owed money to a money lender. One of them owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And at the time, a denarii was worth a day's, uh, a day laborer's wage. So in verse 41 of, of Luke 7, it says two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Ah, a lot of us who are still paying student loans many years later would appreciate some relief. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus responds with, you have judged correctly. So one person owed roughly two months worth of work, but the other owed 500 days of work now, assuming you you have weekends off, that's over a year and a half plus. Can you imagine being in that position? And maybe, to be honest, maybe you are. Maybe you feel that that's how much you owe to uh, to the bank because of student loans, a mortgage, uh, credit card debt, and, and and that pressure that you feel sometimes. Maybe you're lying in bed at night and it's just tight because how am I ever going to pay this off? And, and and month to month, you're, you're trying to live by the paycheck and you're just paying the minimum. Now, one of the main points of this parable is that ultimately both were unable to repay the debt. But the money lender shares incredible grace and kindness and forgives them both. Now, if you contrast this parable with Simon and the woman, both are in need of grace. Simon, while he's probably a respected member of the community, is full of judgment. While the woman, it doesn't exactly say, but she was probably a prostitute. One lived a life with some sin and the other felt tremendous guilt and grief with a heavy heart. Now, in verse 44, Jesus, or sorry, the story continues. Then he turned toward the woman. So as he's looking at this woman, he's also speaking to Simon. And he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't even give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't even give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And you didn't even put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. And therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And so Jesus reminds Simon of his attitude and his rude manners. 
And there are those in need of grace. Those who are in need of grace know and acknowledge their need. Now Jesus also closes the story with a very powerful statement that causes a little bit of unrest amongst the people at the dinner table. And so then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the guests, they didn't know who they were dealing with. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Many years ago, I, I, I watched the film Shawshank Redemption. And, and frankly, what a story. What a powerful story. You want to talk about redemption? Probably one of the most visual movies I've ever seen. And in fact, even as I'm thinking about it, <laughs> it's going through my head right now. Wow. But there's a, there's a very powerful, powerful point where Morgan Freeman's character read. He tells a story of Annie, Dufre, uh, Annie Dufresne, uh, played by Tim Robbins, who's a successful banker who's wrongfully convicted of, of murdering his wife in 1947 and, and is sentenced to two consecutive life terms at Shawshank Prison. And halfway through the film, an old con, Brooks Hadlin, he became enraged and threatens to take another inmate's life holding a makeshift knife at the inmate's throat. And a few tense moments later, Red and Andy persuade Brooks to lay down his life. And that's when they discover that Hadlin had just received word that his parole was finally approved. Now, some of you are thinking, why is he doing this? He's got parole. The mere thought of freedom outside the wall, prison walls was enough, however, to send Brooks over the edge. Later, discussing it in the prison yard, an inmate concludes that Brooks has had bugged out, gone mad. But yet, Red quickly disagrees. And he says, Brooks ain't no bug. He's just institutionalized. The man's been here 50 years. 50 years. This is all that he knows. In here, he's an important man. He's an educated man. Outside, he's nothing. Just a used-up con with arthritis in both hands. Probably couldn't even get a library card if he tried. You know what I'm trying to say? You believe whatever you want, but I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First, you hate them. Then you get used to them. And enough time passes, you get so you depend on them. That's institutionalized. I think in some respects, I think Simon is like Brooks. He's been taught how to live and, and think his whole life a certain way. He's He's gotten comfortable where he's at in life. He's got comfortable walls. But when Jesus comes along and he starts to poke holes into that narrative that goes against what he believes, it's very hard to accept. And in contrast, the woman's life has changed. Jesus restores her dignity and extends a hand of grace and scripture doesn't tell her whole story, but her life was probably not easy. The people in that room probably all knew who she was and maybe even knew her intimately. And I have to give her credit for even the, having the courage to face her fears and to move forward in her life. And it took a lot of courage to walk into that house and perform an act of kindness. And that kindness was rewarded with grace and sincerity. 
And some of you are watching right now are probably on the cusp of wanting to make a life change. And it's scary because in some respects, it may be going against what you have believed your whole life and maybe will cause problems in your family or your inner circle, or perhaps you think you're not smart enough or you deserve it or are worthy of it. But you are worth it. One of the hardest questions to answer is, which one do you identify with? Are you the Simon in this story or are you the woman? To be honest, sometimes I think I'm both at times, not at the same time, but sometimes I feel like I'm the woman full of this, of, of, of regret, of pain, of, of shame. And sometimes I have this air of superiority in my, in my head and in my heart because I think, I'm not going to make that decision. I'm not going to make that mistake. (laughs) And yet life has a way of humbling you. Regardless, God loves you. Last week, I shared a famous verse that I want to remind you of again today. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So one of the questions that I have is, did Simon see the error of his thoughts and ways? I hope so. And I hope he changed his life. One of the lessons that we can glean from this text is that we should have compassion on others. We don't always know their story, what they're dealing with, and it's easy to assume we know. Many of you have heard the the quote, many are fighting a difficult battle mentally, especially right now with, with everything that's going on. And rather than assume what you know what's going on, take the step and get to know them. We probably share, we have more in agreement of what we want for our lives. But yet, because we don't want to take that step of actually trying to get to know our neighbor, we think we know them, but we probably don't. Some action steps. Pray for them. Gotta pray for them. Love them. And serve them. It's not always easy to do so, I gotta admit. You know, sometimes my pride in me gets in there, or maybe if you've been hurt by somebody, the last thing you want to do is help them. But if you want to make a difference, don't just say you love them. You got to live it. It's ultimately what Jesus calls us to do. Aside from loving God with everything, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor. And like Simon, we need to remove that pride and judgment, especially if you've been in the church long enough. Sometimes that pride comes in. All of us, we all make mistakes, and all of us are in need of a Savior. And thanks be to God, He has sent His one and only Son to redeem us, to restore us, just like He restored the dignity and the value of this woman, this sinful woman. So the choice is yours. Will you choose to give your life to Jesus? I hope and pray so. Martin Kim, a pastor, I believe he's uh, in Southeast Asia now. Um, he writes, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, 
God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But no, our greatest need was forgiveness and redemption. Therefore, God sent a savior. And I'm so grateful that Jesus has come into this world to live and to be amongst God's people and has ultimately gone to the cross that we may not only be reborn, but we also may be redeemed because in life, we sometimes make mistakes and we sometimes think that we're not worthy enough or it's beyond us. But no, God's grace is greater than we can ever imagine. And God can turn our lives around. And it may not happen overnight sometimes because ultimately it's a lifetime walk with God. God is creating a new you. And sometimes that means chipping a little bit of the rock off every day. But if we are faithful and every day we commit our life, because remember, again, it's not just a one-time commitment. It's a recommitment every day, a conscious effort as well to walk with God every day. God is redeeming and wants to redeem you. God wants you to find redemption. So let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you have loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to come into this world, to be among us, to leave the comforts of heaven, to come as a baby and to grow and ultimately to serve. I can only imagine what that was like to be needed constantly. You also taught and ultimately as well died on the cross to redeem us. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, there may be some who are watching or listening to this, and we just pray, Lord, that if they want to choose to commit their life now, Lord, please enter their heart. May you walk with them, guide them. And as well, Lord, restore us. And we know that it's, 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 a, it's a daily journey, Lord. It's a lifetime journey, and it's a daily reminder that we need to be focused on you. So watch over us and be with us. Be with us as a church, especially in these difficult times. Help us to be the hands and feet and representatives for you, Lord. Help us to love, to pray, and to serve not only our fellow members, but our neighbors, our post office workers, our grocery store workers, uh, everybody we come across, Lord, that others may know who you are, that they also may be reborn and may find redemption and be restored. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to learn more about who Jesus is, uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to be able to talk with you about that and share who Jesus is even more in depth. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means as well to be thankful and how can we live a life to be a disciple for Jesus. God bless you all. Take care. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.